Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Hello. Uh, in this episode, we will talk about stamps.com. Uh, this was one of the episodes that was suggested to us by one of our listeners. Um, so uh, we will talk about stamps.com in this episode. Um, Hari, do you want to give us a quick disclaimer before we start? Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that helps you understand the concepts and fundamental principles behind value investing. We are not uh, your financial advisor. We don't know your specific financial situation. So please consult with the appropriate advisor um, before making any financial decisions. Great. Uh, before we start, just a few housekeeping items. Um, we are going through the Value Investor Checklist. At this point, a lot of people should know that we go through a checklist. If you guys don't have access to the checklist, please uh, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Um, and if you guys would like an access to our Slack channel, that's where we communicate with each other about various topics. Uh, if you guys like access to that also, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Awesome. So let's get started, Hari. Yeah. Uh, Stamps.com, first question. What does the company do? Um, so stamps.com is a, uh, uh, operates multiple businesses under the, uh, under the label of, uh, mailing and shipping solutions for the United States and Europe. Um, essentially they, they operate under the labels stamps.com, Indicia, Metapack, Shipping Easy, uh, and others. Um, and essentially their services uh, focus on several different areas. So the they talk about um, individuals and small businesses that are trying to ship um, mailers, um, you know, letters and packages, um, and they allow them to essentially um, comparison shop for what would be the cheapest price for their uh, particular shipping uh, needs or weight, you know, mailing uh, amount, volume, etc. Um, and they also provide um, uh, technical services that allow like uh, through their website and their APIs to integrate with other services who are trying to find the cheapest price. Um, they also do um, compete in kind of the, like the Shopify um, Amazon market where um, they will uh, handle shipping of your, your items and your goods. Um, and they also have a, um, you know, a, uh, you know, various things in between for, for medium-sized businesses uh, and, and warehouses. Uh, and then the last aspect of their business is that they do this thing called customized po postage, which they will print uh, like customized postage for if you're doing like a letter uh, mailing campaign or something like that, and you want a uh, very specific, you know, look to your, your logo or something on your postage, they, they will allow that or, uh, you know, do that. So, um, they operate in lots of different areas um, and, uh, you know, under different business labels. But I think the business that people are most familiar with is probably stamps.com because that's the original um, uh, e-commerce business that they were in. Yeah. So just a quick high level summary. Do they operate out of just the U.S. or is it... They are also global presence. They are also in Europe, um, but they're shipping. They will ship to anywhere in the world um, through their carrier partners. So, um, USPS, uh, UPS, and FedEx 
uh, all, you know, are, are partners with them. Um, and then there are, apparently there are 350 different shipping partners that they, they integrate with. So not just the big ones, but even tiny ones that um, do regional kind of distribution and things like that. So, so when you say partner with shipping companies, does that mean that let's say I'm a retailer um, and I like to send a package to my clients, my users via my you know, direct consumer online presence? Does that mean that I would buy stamps from stamps.com automatically through some sort of API and then you would partner up with UPS to send packages? Is that how, is that how it works? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there is multiple different ways that you can work with them. Some of it is, you know, on an ad hoc basis. Some of it is you're paying a subscription fee and then your subscription fee as you use the service gets, you know, uh, waived, you know, if you use enough of their services. Um, all the way to, you know, they entire handled the entire shipping operations for, you know, a medium-sized or uh, distributor-type business for e-commerce. So, in essence, they're offering you comparison shopping and convenience um, for uh, for your package or your, your shipping and mailing needs. Um, and they don't really differentiate between the two. It's mailing and shipping, you know, all, all under the same service line. Um so, you know, they have a, you know, quite a few different ways that they can, you know, you can work with them. And it, it's kind of just like, what is the, what works best for your business? Um, and so in, in a lot of ways, they actually partner with and compete with U, U.S. Postal Service, UPS and FedEx, because they're, they're, they're just going to pick whoever, um, you know, that uh, started with them. So interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. Just, uh, just to ground us kind of, um, ground us to the market cap they are um three billion yeah th is recording yeah three billion dollar company and um you know the you know the, the shipping business is is enormous as you can probably imagine um but you know they're not they're not actually owning any trucks or doing anything related to that they are just finding the carrier so they're taking a cut of the the fee that comes with the the actual shipment got it Sounds good. All right, let's move on to the next question. Does the company have a competitive advantage? Describe them in the categories below. So let's uh, start off with brand. Do they have any brand competitive advantage? Yeah, I mean, I think if you've if you've listened to podcasts or um, watched you know you know TV and stuff like that, you've probably seen ads for stamps dot com. Um, you know, they do a lot of targeting towards small and medium sized business as a you know a, as a platform to you know, for them to integrate with your, uh, with them to, you know, basically use them as your standard shipping setup. Um, so, you know, I, I think the brand part of that is, um, is pretty well known. Um, you know, if you're a small business owner, you've probably heard of stamps.com. Um, the other services that they listed under their brands, um, I am, I'm not in the, you know, in the business of actually doing any sort of shipping and, you know, a logistics kind of work so i have never heard of these other things like shipping uh ship station shipping easy ship engine ship works they really like the word ship i guess uh um so stamps.com is the only one that i have heard of <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that it is not you know they aren't pretty common in in the the rest of the world uh or, or in the rest of the u.s um and metapack is their europe uh business that they just purchased uh last year um and 
So it operates out of the Europe market. And as far as I know, they didn't have much of a Europe presence before then. I see. But would you say that brand is really one of their competitive advantage that allows them to continue to serve, continuously serve their customers and beat out their beat out the competition? Well, I, I would say this, that as a layperson who doesn't have a lot of this need for this, stamps.com is the only company I can think of off the top of my head that actually um, does this kind of work. But that doesn't mean that if I were if I were a small business owner, I would probably be more inclined to uh, know more about this. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm not sure that brand is really the the be all end all here. Gotcha. Okay. Let's move on to the next one: uh, network effects. Does the company enjoy any network effects as competitive advantage? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that's a little bit difficult to, uh, you know, you know, for for those of you who are you know, new to the concept of network effects. It's the idea that I use stamps.com because other people are available on stamps.com. So there is some of that, um, that they've partnered with these 350 global carriers, global and regional carriers. And <clears throat> so if I, I use stamps.com because they have so many different carrier partners and options uh, to ship something for me or, or to mail stuff for me. So I, I, there is some network effects, but I don't know. I mean, if I were a carrier um, or shipping partner, I would integrate with anybody who is willing to, to, to do it. Right. Because that's how I get, you know, I drive business to my platform. So um, I don't know that it's a, it's a huge, I mean, they, they're clearly uh, benefits to both parties in this case. So, I don't think the network effects necessarily is the is the winner here. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Switching costs. I think you kind of alluded to this in your answer there. You could talk more about this. Yeah. So I mean, when we talk about the return on capital, which is where the the moat actually matters, they actually have a very high return on uh, capital employed, return on invested capital. They are, um, and so you kind of look at it and say, well, where is the moat here then? Right. In order for them to have that high return on capital, it has to translate from somewhere. Right. And I think, again, I'm not an expert in this area. And, and you know, my my hesitancy to, to, you know, with these questions is is because of that. Um, I think their switching cost is going to be fairly, you know, uh, significant here, because if you're an e-commerce uh, business and you start your e-commerce um shop and you integrate with stamps.com to handle your logistics and you know you're using their API to find the cheapest you know carrier when somebody checks out uh, and you know and then you present the shipping details to them you know stamps.com is a, is a significant integration for that kind of business right um, I would assume that the same thing applies to a small business owner who's trying to sell uh, you know they're running their own Etsy shop or something like that and they're selling you know sending 15, 20 packages a week, um, they're going to want something like stamps.com to be able to help them. And same is true for somebody who's trying to do a, a physical mailer, you know, campaign, you know, things like that. Um, they're going to offer, stamps.com is going to offer them a fairly significant, you know, I, I think, um, advantage. And then it becomes a question of, you know, they cite to the their customers that, you know, People don't go to the retail FedEx, Kinko's. They don't go to the U.S. Postal Service. If you're a busy small business owner, 
you don't have time to spend at the post office or at the, you know, dropping off packages. So this allows uh, allows them to do a lot of that work from home. They can print the label, pay for it, put it onto their uh, box, and then either have somebody come and pick it up or they drop it off at the store and then they're done. Um, so it's, it saves them a lot of time and, and effort. So um, I think convenience is a big part of this, um, you know, in their in their model. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So convenience that kind of, you know, translates to or directly translates to switching cost. If you are if you, if it doesn't require a lot of energy for you to you know, establish that kind of connection with stamps.com to do your business, then, you know, the, and the activation energy to go with other other, you know, stamps.com equivalent or competition is higher. The switching cost definitely does play in a, a role here for sure. Yeah, and, and I, I would say that also if you're a small business owner, your account with U.S. Postal Service uh, or UPS or FedEx, is you're not going to get the same level of discount that, um, that Stamps.com offers um, because what Stamps.com does is they can also do what's consol- called consolidated shipping. So they aggregate a bunch of orders together that are going to a common destination and then they take it to a carrier. So you essentially can say, I need to send this to Cincinnati, Ohio, and they're going to package up a lot of things that are going to Cincinnati from Houston and then go to the carrier and get a better rate. Right. So, so they have, they have some businesses that are, you know, I I think allow them to do uh, economies of scale that you wouldn't get with just saying standard, uh, you know, uh, account with the postal service or something like that. I see. That's interesting. I think it, it's a nice segue into the next topic or next uh, category in the competitive advantage, which is low cost. And you're alluding to this right now, but I wonder how they actually make that work because when we talk about economies of, economies, economies of scale, like USPS or you know, uh, UPS or FedEx, they're you know as big as they can be. They probably do the same sort of optimization as you know as what you're alluding to here at stamps.com. I wonder how they're getting that, that cost advantage. Well, I think their, their big advantage there is the customer acquisition cost, right? They are taking on the customer acquisition costs so that postal service and UPS and FedEx don't have to do that. Um, and so there is some benefit that they're, they're providing there. Um, and you know, if, if they don't offer competitive rates, then, stamps will go to the next one. They'll go to FedEx, they'll go to DHL, they'll go to whoever, right? So, you know, I I think they have some, you know, they have some play in the market because obviously the Postal Service, UPS and and FedEx have have a need to to send all of these packages and they need to acquire customers. And um, if, if stamps can do it in such a way that it integrates directly with the API, Right with FedEx's API or UPS's API, and then they can print a label. Then that's cheaper than UPS having to provide support and customer service and things like that uh, directly with you know your small business owner and stuff like that. So I think there is some there is some advantage there uh, for switching and things like that. But the low cost aspect of it to me doesn't. You know they have an economies of scale. I, I I'm not going to discount that. I but I I don't know that it's a low cost provider um, because could somebody go in and integrate, you know, with these providers and provide the same service? 
I think so, but they really don't cite the cost aspect of it as the benefit. They cite the convenience aspect of it for for a lot of their business. Uh, so so they they actually have a pretty nice passage in their 10K where they actually say why we are better than our competition, and then they actually cite the counter argument. They do the inversion for you and basically say why their competition is better than they are, right? Mm-hmm. And every one of the categories, it's we charge a convenience fee that our our uh our competitor may not right and so so but the convenience fee is is why they're valuable right yeah it's interesting and i i guess the argument of customer acquisition cost might be lower therefore it justifies ups or fedex to partner up with these with this guy uh, stamps.com could make would make a lot of sense right from cost perspective so let's move on to the fifth category, which is intangible assets. Is there any intangible assets that you can think of here? I don't think so. I don't think they have any patents or um, anything that would make me say um, they have an advantage. The interesting part of this was um, their original uh, deal. They had an, a deal on in 2018. Uh, they had a special uh, license that the U.S. Postal Service was giving to them um, that was kind of a subsidized rate that they couldn't offer anywhere else. Um, and, you know, so because of that, stamps.com was growing like weeds. Um, and then they decided in 2018 that the Postal Service decided to end, um, you know, this special deal that they gave to companies in 2018. And in 2019, um, December, they actually ended that and the stank, the stock price just plummeted. Uh, afterwards. So um, that special pricing that uh, went away um, really took a, you know, took an ax to their uh, bottom line. Um, they lost a lot of um, operating efficiency on the, on the uh, operating income side. Um, and it really, you know, they took the, the stock price took a haircut uh, and their revenue went from growing at like 25% a year to flat uh, year over year. So, um, and their expenses yeah. went way up. So we, we'll talk about that more when we hit finances. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's that's illustrating of some of the dependencies we'll talk about. Customer supply employee, that question towards the later part of this segment. Uh, but uh, intangible assets, nothing that you can see uh, there that's that's obvious. And so just to really re- quickly recap, competitive advantage-wise, what we're really talking about here is switching costs and perhaps low switching costs and then perhaps low cost and then a little bit of brand yep is how you would summarize it here yeah and and i i would say the you know i'll I'll add one more thing on the sw- switching costs that i think um you know i forgot to mention is that a lot of their e-commerce customers they are managing the order pro- the the order for them and so the order management you know, and inventory management and, and stuffing, stuff like that. Um, they're putting the packing slips, you know, giving them packing slips to put into the, the package. They're doing end to end tracking of the package so that they can keep track of where it is. Uh, the, you know, so that, that aspect of it, I think is a pretty powerful thing, you know, for the e-commerce side that I think is, is where they're focusing a lot of their, their growth is is trying to get those businesses up on 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 onto using that, um, 
and you know the uh you know they, they also do a lot of uh I, I mean it sounds kind of simple but you know the if you're a, a doing a lot of package you know volume you know just automating the forms that you need to get the postal service you know, to pick up your package and to handle it and do all of that and get the tracking number and then sending an email to the customer to say this is the tracking number and things like that. That's a big part of their, you know, that middleman workflow that they're providing. So I, I think if I had to, you know, now that I'm talked enough about it, I think the the strongest aspect of their business there is really that, you know, there, there is a stickiness, in, you know, of their moat. Um, you know, especially for these medium-sized businesses that are relying on them to manage the tracking and things like that. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I think we talked enough about the competitive advantage. Let's move on to the durability of them. Um, is there any risk to this competitive advantage that you talk about here? Switching cost, particularly to medium to small businesses. They're doing a lot of inventory management, not inventory management, but... Um, uh, uh, shipping management, uh, some elements of fulfillment. They're handling that for small to medium-sized businesses, and and you label that as the main competitive advantage. Is there any risk to this? Yeah, I mean, I I think the uh, you know one of the things that they cite is that um, one of their competitors is Shopify and Amazon, um, and so if you think about running a store and Shopify can basically do the same thing that they're offering. Um, so there's competition there. Obviously, e-commerce um, last year was a $600 billion uh, business. So there's a huge you know, swath of businesses there. Uh, but I think Shopify, Amazon, eBay, they are all kind of encroaching on that you know, kind of space. And I think it's nibbling on the edges, right? Stamps, Stamps is not providing you the website. They're not providing you a lot of the other things, they're not providing uh, marketing, traffic, anything like that, right? Which is what Amazon, eBay, uh, Shopify provide, right? They're they're actually doing a lot more work for you. So, um, you know, there there's some, and some people don't want any of that stuff. And then there are a lot of e-commerce businesses that just start out that way, right? And then they move their presence to something bigger, um, you know, and their own website and their own domain, things like that. So I, I don't know that the, you know, the, the, I, I saw the biggest risk that they had was the Postal Service. If, if we were doing this exact same podcast two years ago, the Postal Service special deal that they had was the big risk. And then the risk actually happened, right? And they their earnings took a big hit as a result of that. So, you know, they have, they have mentioned that there are no more future risks associated with the Postal Service. They're now just like any other carrier, uh, stamps.com is to the postal service. So they don't really get any special benefits um, with that. Um, so really their, their, you know, their response to that is that we now have much higher customer acquisition costs because we're not offering the cheapest price. You know, they're not competing on price, they're competing on feature set. Um, and so they have to do a lot more marketing and they've, you know, they've amped up their marketing messaging in 2020. So I think the, the post- USPS business um, is a lot less, um, you know, the, the risk has already happened. Um, and I, it's going to be interesting to see how their, uh, 
how it affects their return on capital and things like that. And then not to mention that yeah. COVID is um, going to cause a significant recession um, here. Um, so yeah, th- I, I yeah. think there are some risks here, um, you know, cause I think overall package volume may decrease as people spend less. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I just want to kind of highlight a couple of things that you brought up or summarize, which is that one, you have these full end to end, platform plays that are happening out in the market that is eroding their business, namely Amazon, eBay, Shopify, etc. Shopify less so, but you got this full end-to-end platform where small businesses can go onto their platform and everything is taken care of them. They just need to focus on marketing, having a pretty pictures on the website, and then they'll take care of the inventory management and the fulfillment. So I think that is one thing that we want to highlight here. And then the second thing is you mentioned COVID just overall drop, uh, just overall drop in volume, which is kind of a recent uh, phenomenon. And then I guess the third thing here is really huge dependence on USPS deal. Uh, and and that, that risk really did materialize and, and realized. So, um, so I, I would say kind of, if I were to summarize what you just said, Hari, those three things seems to be pretty big risks um, facing this company right now. Okay, let's move on to the next question, which is what are the company's long-term prospects and runway for growth? I think it's ni- it nicely ties to what we just discussed in terms of risks, in terms of how the industry is moving. We talked about Amazon, talked about eBay, Shopify, all these different things. So how do you how do you think about this question? Long-term prospects and runway for growth. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to see the future with this business without a special deal from the postal service um, you know, they were not competing on price. And <clears throat> there are some people who, I- in some ways, the package delivery business is is a commodity, right? There, there is It is a commodity that you are getting something from point A to point B. Obviously, UPS, FedEx, they all have some advantages that other companies don't, right? Um, so I, I would say that there's, there's definitely some some risks here and i i'm i've kind of struggled to to kind of see what the future holds for this business right i i look at it i look at what they think are projections that actually didn't come out from uh they came out in their proxy statement because they were talking about what the compensation would look like based on certain revenue targets that were essentially flat uh for the company um so i i I find it i to be honest with you I, i i'm kind of struggling with this and this may be because of just my lack of uh i'm not an e-commerce person right i I don't know a whole lot about e-commerce and i i struggle with that uh part of it um so the only thing that i can really say about this at this at this point is i think that you know they're going to spend a lot of money on customers uh customer acquisition so sales marketing uh, expertise. Um, they're going to try and make more deals with more carriers to kind of expand the pipeline of, uh, services that they offer. Um, but I, I don't know how that's going to translate into future, uh, revenue, right? Their growth was essentially flat after they lost the postal service deal. Um, and they had much higher costs. Um, so it's, it's going to be, they're going to be more of a commodity business going forward. With that being said, they're very asset light. They have a very high return on capital even after this 
they've taken a hit here. Yeah. So let's talk about that actually, which is a nice segue into our next question. Does a company require a lot of require a lot of capital reinvestment to maintain its business? Can it grow without any further reinvestment? So you talked about light, you know, capital light business. And usually capital light business doesn't really, really require a lot of capital reinvestments. Can you add some more color to this question? Yeah, so, you know, to to give you an idea of where this is this looks, you know, most of their assets are actually in cash and goodwill. Um, you know, they have about uh 900 million in in total assets, 385 of which is um is goodwill. So, you know, it, and that that was due to, you know, they've had a lot of acquisitions over the years. Um and you know, in you know, for a, you know, so when we start looking at their return on capital, you know, the capital employed in their business is, is it's I mean, they're basically a tech company, right? They're not offering any, you know, there's no per shipment cost for them to deal with anything. It's essentially just um, they collect a fee off of this, so they're you know, in some ways a toll bridge. Um, but the 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 problem is they don't have a monopoly on the toll, so it it's not a not a true to- toll in that sense. Um, you know, you, you just use them as a, as a, as a, uh, an avenue to make your package, uh, or mailer go out. So, you know, they are an asset light business. They have a high, you know, return on capital and they don't require a lot to, to maintain that, uh, you know, that, uh, aspect of their business. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, very much a tech company. I mean, $300 million in goodwill is something we would have to definitely talk about in the next episode when we talk about financials. But answering this question, it seems like a resounding resounding no, that they don't require a lot of capital reinvestment to maintain a business, just like any other tech companies Yep. out there. Okay, great. Let's move on to the next question. Does the business have favorable relationships with the following? And I'll just list them out right now. Customers, suppliers, employees, regulators, community is there any red flags are there any red flags that you see with any of these relationships no i mean i think that like i said before the risk that they had with the postal services special deal the, the postal services deal went away and so now there isn't much of a risk there um i don't know that ups or fedex would ever exclude them you know um in any way because like i said before it's an acquisition thing so um, you know, they've they mentioned that no customer represents more than 10 percent of their business. Um, and, you know, so I don't think there's any risk of a, a single large customer leaving. Um, and, you know, like a, any tech company, there's, you know, you know, do you lose some of the. Um, you know, do, do your employees kind of, you know, matter there that, you know, any one employee uh, could affect it? And I don't really see that either. So. Um, you know, I, there's not a lot of risks in that regard, but I do think that there's some risks that we need to be, you know, that this, this was a business that had a, a had a special deal. That deal has gone away and I, I just don't have enough information to see if, how they're going to, you know, um, respond, uh, going mm-hmm. forward. So I see. Okay, great. Um, thanks for covering that. Uh, Hari. So just to just to wrap up uh, kind of this episode, um, I think we, we talked extensively about the business itself and the competitive advantage um, 
and with with asterisks and 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 um, and uh, caveats that uh, Hari and myself are not in the business of small business, you know, delivering goods and e-commerce and things like that. But at least on the surface, it sounds like this business has been able to grow by exploiting their switching cost mode. And then, and then to some extent, low cost and brand mode. Yep. Um, and it, they were able to turn that into um, high uh, return on return on capital, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But no red flags in terms of customer suppliers, employee regulators, uh, and then kind of a you know question mark in terms of the prospects for a runway. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. We'll uh, we'll close out this episode here, and uh, hope you guys. Uh, join us for the next one. Oh, thanks.